Welcome to the Friday, November 16th, 2007 edition of the Relevant Podcast. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me is really people you don't know. Uh, <laughs> first off, Managing Editor, Jesse Carey. Nice to meet you. And before I, <laughs> before I introduce anybody else, we just got to get out of the way. If you listen to last week's podcast, you know that <laughs> we are doing guest hosts to sit in for Adam Smith while he's out for a little while. So we figured, you know, we'll give you a chance to get to know other staffers uh, on the message boards, the podcast fodder section. There is a thread that will be there each week to let you vote head-to-head battle for who you think should sit in in Adam's chair. Last week, we put Chris Stevens head-to-head against Teresa Dobridge. And I, I got to say, there was some uh, nasty politicking that happened. And when we ran the results, when Jesse and I ran the results, the big tabulation machine... It was an exact, literally to the vote, an exact split down the middle, 50%, 50%, half voting for Chris Stevens, half voting for Teresa. So today, and today only, we have both of them in here in the studio with us. Welcome to both of you, and congratulations. It is an honor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so Chris, uh, welcome back. Um, I'm, I'd like to say that I'm sorry, because um, I didn't win. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a landslide. I think here's here's the thing, and I'll just I'll say it with with Teresa here. I I tried to be witty and charming. Way to take the high road. Yeah, I tried to be witty and charming, thinking that the ladies would think it was cute, and I guess I ended up angering the ladies of the the podcast listeners. And Teresa found a way to rally the ladies true. against me. And you can't and so it, it turned it yeah it turned into a, a sort of a battle of the sexes. I never really intended that. To happen, but it was weird. Sort of, That's yeah, a story was, of your life, right? <laughs> so, so welcome, Teresa. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, representing um, representing the ladies. So, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where Where are you from? Uh, Northeast Ohio. I come from a little south of Cleveland. You Cavs mm-hmm. fan? <laughs> Cavs fan. Got to represent the Browns and the Indians. That's a good one. They're winners. I'm making her talk sports like she cares. She hates yeah. sports. <laughs> no. I was gonna say all of those teams are are like they're not bad. They're not they're not like they used to be. Well, Teresa, it's very good to have you. Now, you know, I have to say, last week we we asked Chris a little get to know you quiz, and unfortunately, because we have such a jam packed podcast this week, we don't have time to do that. <laughs> However. Um, you know, uh, you can just chime in throughout the podcast, and, and it'll give us a chance to get to know you. Okay, so that said, I'm going to jump right into uh, entertainment releases. Uh, tonight, we have Beowulf coming out in theaters, which... I uh, am Beowulf! Does anyone think that... Sparta! Yeah. <laughs> Does it, I, every time I see that, that ad campaign, which the movie looks cool visually... The movie looks like a video game. Yeah. But they have this clip of Beowulf, and he says, I am Beowulf! And it's so anticlimactic, because I want it to be like, This is Sparta! Like a real long thing, and it's like he's just kind of barking it out there. Beowulf! I am Beowulf! <laughs> he tries to say Beowulf like it's a one-syllable word. 
It's so, annoying. I'm sorry you're disappointed. Yeah, I will not see the film because of that. Also coming out, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium with Natalie Portman, Dustin Hoffman, Jason Bateman. More like Borophil. <laughs> <laughs> Life in the Time of Cholera. And snoozer, <laughs> and that's all coming out in store. CDs coming out on Tuesday. We've got Amy Winehouse with Frank. I can't believe she's still alive. <laughs> Amber Lynn with Lost Songs on Tooth and Nail. Dead Poetic with The Finest. Paramore with Riot, the MVI Special Edition CD DVD. Whoa, yeah, that's, a, that's the actual title. And Copeland dressed up and in line on Militia Group. Today is an epic podcast for you. Uh, we have Morgan Spurlock. You probably know him as the documentarian who brought brought a supersize me. Uh, remember? Did you see yeah, that? I did. The Excellent. expose yeah, of yeah. McDonald's. I like the film, the documentaries that are informative, but it's not like your homework. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. I always had a problem with that documentary because Jesse, you guys know me. I eat McDonald's every day or fast food of some sort. And, I, and that didn't happen to me. As a matter of fact, the opposite effect. I'm, I'm jacked. <laughs> the preservatives. So, yeah. You, you will McDonald's actually live diet. to be 190. Right. So, like a petrified rock. Right. So, yeah, I say supersize me. Exactly. And, yeah. be, and check me out. I'm supersized. <laughs> Your ego is. Uh, also with Morgan Spurlock will be Reverend Billy. Uh, they have a new film uh, coming out called What Would Jesus Buy? And it's going to be very interesting. So that's coming up later. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Up next, we'll get into slices. I keep up with the racing rats and do my best to win. You're listening to Editors. The song is... See, when Adam was here and I said editors, he goes, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> You're uh, editors, the song is The Racing Rats, which reminds me of 30 Rock, where yeah. he talks about the rat race. to get rid of the rat race. And there's literally a rat race outside of his door. <laughs> you kind of got to see it, but uh, it is hilarious. <laughs> Little flashback. I love those. Yeah. Um, uh, editors, the rat race playing right now over at relevant.tv. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the hives. With the song Tick Tick Boom. Sounds like a POD song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tick Tick Boom. And then a football player, you know, you always see it in the highlights. Yeah, it's yeah, it's big, always the big in the highlights. Yeah, the the ESV like the sports center. It's yeah. Monday morning. They put on the POD. Mm-hmm. Full disclosure, uh, right now I'm drinking a tab energy drink. It's pink and it tastes like Jolly Ranchers. Because I'm a vanilla swirl kind of girl. Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, with slices, here's Jesse. Well, uh, a lot of people may be aware that World AIDS Day is coming up on December 1st. Um, kind of preparation to raise awareness, um, the Mac AIDS Fund, which is a philanthropy organization that does a lot of research about uh, the AIDS epidemic, has actually found some relatively uh, jarring uh, numbers when it came to the amount of people in a nine-country survey that actually still believe that AIDS is not a fatal disease, or at least isn't always a fatal disease. About 40% of the people they interviewed, and that's that's over 4,500 interviews conducted, like I said, from nine countries, says that a lot of people really underestimate the danger of AIDS, which is a pretty telling statistic about how uh, uneducated people are in some of the countries that are hit hardest 
by AIDS among the countries that the survey was conducted in is South Africa. So, you know, obviously they did it to kind of raise awareness for World AIDS Day to kind of show why it's still an important thing that even though here in the States, a lot of people have a understanding of how serious it is that across the world, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. I said it's coming up on December 1st. It's quite the upper. (laughs) Hey, I'm just keeping the people informed. Um, Not, not, well, I think Chris has another. Um, we actually assigned Chris a beat. Uh, we're like, you know, if, you're, if, if there's a potentially you're coming back, we want to make you a beat reporter. So I was like, you know, I'm going to cover uh, situations going on in the world, some real serious stuff to get the listeners concerned. We have culture stuff taken care of. Um, one beat that uh, we've been missing lately is Monkeys on a Rampage in India. Um, and so I signed it to him. He actually went to India and came back with this report. Mm-hmm. Just got in. and um, <laughs> That's why you smell like curry. <laughs> yeah. This isn't, I mean, Jesse, you preface it as a joke, but I really don't think it's a joke. Okay. I mean, this is, this is serious. Monkeys are taking over Delhi. Uh, it's a country. Or it's, a, it's a country. It's a city. In, it's a <laughs> oh, city. I was thinking. I did see a monkey down at the local deli. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was say in all you your sandwich. You, we sent you to India. We spent yeah. all this money, and you don't realize that Delhi is is, is a city. <laughs> I'm um, a little concerned about yeah. the beat we have assigned you to. So here, here's the story. Okay, here's what's going down. To those of you that that aren't familiar with it. Um, the monkeys, <laughs> which is everyone. Yeah, which is everyone. <laughs> the monkeys are going crazy, and they're they're killing people. Okay, this is this is for real. Uh, the mayor was sitting on his balcony reading a newspaper when literally four monkeys came into his house and started to attack him. So he chases them. He grabs his newspaper <laughs> and he starts chasing them off of his balcony. And the monkeys are kind of jumping on him, and he ends up falling over the balcony and and dying. Uh, and this really just set it off. It started with, and people thought this was kind of like a strange incident that the monkeys were starting to attack people. And then now, it, if that was apparently only the beginning, that was that was the, they they picked their leader. That's apparently, the prequel. Yeah, they apparently they picked the leader, and they and then now they've took taken him out, and they're going after other people. This this is a direct quote, and 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 the quote. Um, I didn't see the punchline coming when I when I read it. So um, this is a, a woman who is a, who's telling a story of a monkey attack, and this is this is what she says. She says, "I was I was talking to someone at my door around 11 p.m. when a monkey appeared, and then she says, as I moved inside, the monkey followed and sank its teeth into my baby." Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, is the baby okay? Uh, yeah, the baby is is okay, um, but it, it bit its leg. Uh, so this baby's hurt. Now, from from this point out, there's been there's been about two dozen in the last in the last few weeks who've been injured by these by these monkeys. They they <laughs> they referred to a couple times in this article that there's a rogue monkey. Apparently, similar to <laughs> like Jaws, like, like yeah. Jaws. Like there's this one. Is his name Doctor Zayas? <laughs> Who's going around attacking people? Right now, there's about ten, between ten thousand and twenty thousand monkeys in the city of Delhi, and because of of religious beliefs, yeah, say, religious that, symbolism, yeah, they they can't kill the monkeys. So the police are, you know, they interview the police a couple times in this, and they're just like, we don't know what to do. We we can't kill the monkeys, and we're not experts at getting rid of the monkeys. One, this is one idea that they have to get rid that they've tried to get rid of the monkeys, and this isn't. You can't make this stuff up. They've tried to get rid of the monkeys with bigger monkeys. <laughs> See, okay, time out, time <laughs> out. Compound the problem. Yeah, time out. 
this is like the plot of a very scary movie. Like, oh, I know what I know. What'll take care of our infestation of man-eating monkeys? Bigger, meaner monkeys. Right. Yeah, this, ma- th- this couldn't possibly go. The wrong. well-intentioned mad scientist creates like a mutant monkey to, that will destroy all the other monkeys, and somehow that that monkey goes on a rampage. Yeah, and 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 so some people have said um, that you should they should take the monkeys and release them into into the wild, mm-hmm. but then the um, the I guess the the people Seems trying logical. to protect those monkeys say say literally we don't want the urban monkeys terrorizing the the normal monkeys. <laughs> So, because they're, well, they're, you know they're like they the bullies, they steal their food, and they don't want them basically, you know, setting off a, the ecosystem, you know, because they've released urban monkeys into I, the jungle. You can take the urban out of the. You can take the monkey out of the urban setting. <laughs> we can't take the urban setting out of the monkey. I think Jesse's park squirrel solution would <laughs> would be in order here, and it's and it's it's humane for one because I'm not advocating killing. Well, I'm advocating you, what, tranquilizing. I guess the only thing is, what would you do once it came to? Where would you put it if you can't put it in the woods and you can't put it in the city? Well, you have a decision to make. <laughs> <laughs> you set it adrift at sea. Yeah, I give a fight Mon- chance. Monkey Island. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> monkey pirates start attacking yeah. other ships. Cameron, I'm so glad you asked that because i've drawn up a pretty substantial proposal for a monkey island um on the next on the next season of 24 <laughs> i'm actually signing a lease um today for an island a yes lease for your, um, i think you can lease yeah, island. they lease islands yeah. well it's not a very big this island is on craigslist it's the, it's the next i hope i'm not getting ripped off <laughs> <laughs> because of the writer's strike, the next season of Survivor is going to be on Monkey yeah, Island. Yeah, and it's all monkeys. It's not even people this oh. year. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're pretty they're pretty human like. A lot of them are very animated. Are you thinking of Disney? Are you thinking of Walt Disney World? The animated monkeys. They have animated monkeys at Walt Disney. I'm sure they do. They have animated everything. Over yeah, there. it's all from 1960. I'm giving you free free reign here to go on one of your Disney. Oh, I was going to say, well, it, I, I don't know. I'm sure they have animatronic monkeys. That's what I meant. Yeah, what did it, I say? Animated. animated. That's oh. where animatronic come animatronic. Yeah, it's right. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, <laughs> as I said, you'd probably the ride would involve a slow, boring boat ride through the land of animatronic. <laughs> At monkeys. the end, you're praying for monkey death. Yeah, you're like, please let one of these monkeys jump in my boat and attack me. At least <laughs> something exciting to my baby. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, like I said, every every ride, you hop on a little boat, see a little lame animatronic world, and you then really maybe are, you really are going on a tirade about Disney. Maybe this has nothing to do with Disney. Maybe there's a little waterfall at the end. <laughs> oh my god! Stop. Half of the rides there, you get at least one decent fall. Teresa, please bail yeah. us out and tell us your slice. <laughs> yeah. That's when I should do Maya's Maya's infamous monkey sound. All right, mine is. <laughs> I have uh, mine. Mine's going international. Our neighbors of the north. Hmm. The creative Canadians. Mm. What we have here is... Uh, We're not fans, by the way. I saw a shirt and said, Canada, America's hat. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to buy that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and nothing more. That's, it. That's all they are to us. Yeah. <laughs> You're just a funny little hat. <laughs> Canadians are trying to show that they're interesting and more entertaining in their epitaphs and instead of your general rest in peace and eternally beloved it's kind of a new craze now and hmm. they don't want them to be creepy or anything like that but they, it says i just want i just want them to know that there's a story out there so 
um, a Saskatoon headstone reads, I'd rather be in Boston watching the Red Sox. And in Manitoba, actually, this is a widely used epitaph. <laughs> it's, I told you I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. At least yeah. they got a sense of humor, though. Yeah. You know, if, I well, wouldn't mind. They, they don't have anything else up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting in a room, nothing to look at but blocks of ice. Well, they're like, well, what do you want to do today? I don't know. I'm pretty bored. How about we go to the cemetery, read the epitaph? (laughs) (laughs) The enthusiast enthusiasts have gone fishing, writers to be continued. No, not (laughs) bad. And even jokers. I'm not here. I'm having a beer. This one says, oh, my famous last words. Hey, look, a monkey. (laughs) (laughs) I think that monkey is motioning me to come say hello. How cute. Yeah, that's a friendly monkey. All right, on that note, that'll wrap Slices. Up next, Morgan Spurlock and Reverend Billy. Where is my love? You're listening to Cat Power. Unlike Monkey Power, this is a good thing. Uh, Cat Power For is now. <laughs> the song is Where Is My Love? Playing right now over at Relevant.tv. You know, we were in a meeting today, uh, and, and we were on Relevant TV, like, clicking through. There is some, there's really, it's like a who's who of cool music. I mean, the, the, the directory, the on-demand part of it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't yeah. believe it. Every cool band that we were talking about for the upcoming new music issue and stuff, almost every one of them we had we had in Relevant TV. Yeah, if, if you want to be hip to music, and this may sound like I'm tooting our own horn, but guess what? I am. <laughs> There's a lot of good stuff guess on that. Guess what? Toot, toot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> I just lost any cred right there, yeah, so yeah. maybe I should just stop. Let me tell you about all the cool music. <laughs> <laughs> Back it up. Boop, boop. But seriously, I that's one reason that's one way I try to stay plugged into what all the kids are listening to right now, you know, by updating relevant TV. There you go. <laughs> Even this part of my job. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, so we should thank the kids. <laughs> earlier this uh this week we had a chance to talk to Morgan Spurlock. Now you know Morgan, we mentioned earlier from Supersize Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this new project he has going on. It opens in theaters today. Friday. It's called What Would Jesus Buy? And it's a documentary, Super Size Me style, uh, that he produced. Now, he's not the star of it. He produced it. I have a postcard for it in front of me. I'll read you some of the stuff. We actually have about 100 postcards in front of us. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, this follows Reverend Billy and his choir, the Church of Stop Shopping Gospel Choir. They, they're examining the commercialization of Christmas in America. So, they follow Reverend Billy and his choir around on a cross-country mission to save Christmas from the, from the shopocalypse which is yeah. Christmas. Uh, Reverend Billy's epic journey takes us to chilling exorcisms at Walmart headquarters, retail interventions at the Mall of America, all the way to the promised land on Christmas Day. The stop shopping mission reminds us that even though we may be hypnotized and consumerized, we shall have a chance to save ourselves this Christmas. And like I said, it's coming out in theaters uh, tonight. It's a very interesting documentary. Uh, would definitely say check it out. So... Without any further ado, here is Jesse's interview with Morgan Spurlock and Reverend Billy. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, oh, my pleasure. I really enjoyed the film. Oh, good. Well, thanks, man. How did you first hook up with Reverend Billy? 
I met Billy through um, one of the producers on the film who'd been shooting Billy for about a year came up to me this was post Supersize Me and said you know I've been shooting this guy Reverend Billy and I knew who Billy was you know having been a, a resident of the East Village for years you know the guy is incredibly well known for what he does and Peter showed me the footage that he'd shot I thought it was great and I wanted to sit down and meet Billy, because you don't know when you first see it, is this guy for real, yeah. you know, or is this all just shtick? And after I got to sit down and have a conversation with him and his wife, the choir director, Savitri D., you know, these people really do live and breathe this. You know, they believe in what they say. They walk the walk. They talk the talk. And so I was sold. I said, you know, sign me up. I noticed in the in the film he goes from, you know, kind of the comic persona to yeah. a really sincere, down-to-earth guy. Yeah, I mean, he's incredibly thoughtful and, and gracious and humble and I think has a lot of uh, really great qualities. that uh, that he, And he knows, you know, this character of Reverend Billy, for him, is somebody that he's using to really get a, a serious message out there in a fun, entertaining way. And I I think he does a great job at it. I know it's kind of based on this uh, televangelist, holy roller caricature, right? But it never came across as malicious, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think it's I, for me, and that's one of the things I like about Billy. You never get a sense of him being malicious or condescending or manipulative. You know, I think that he, I think he's really kind of true to to this voice that's inside of him, which is nice. Was that a concern at all that some people would perceive? You know, the shock appeal uh, yeah. at first. Well, I think that. I think you can never you can never predict how people will feel, and some people, you know, of course, are going to be rubbed the wrong way by a variety of people. But I think that Billy's sincerity really comes across in the film, and I think his honesty comes across in the film. And I think that if people can, you know, kind of embrace this message that we're really trying to you know, have people carry on through this movie, which which at the end of the day is, you know, we've all less, lost sight of what's really important, and there's a better way to, to shop and to live, then I think that uh, we'll have accomplished something. Uh, obviously, the film is based on around the Christmas shopping season in particular. Yeah. You know, with Christmas having such kind of a religious and spiritual aspect to it, was that like an intentional decision to focus particularly? Well, I think that's the big question for the film. You know, does it have a religious focus anymore or have we kind of lost sight of that as well? Have we been so caught up in this fervor for consumption and consumerism and shopping and buying toys and presents and trees and gifts and all the stuff that surrounds that? Have we lost sight of that? Mm -hmm. Which I think that's one of the questions that the movie really asks. So I think that's one of the reasons that the film has been so embraced by you know, so many people in the Christian community is I think because it really does present a wake-up call, uh, a wake-up call for the choices we make, a wake-up call for how we live our lives. There was a woman who even came up to me after one of the screenings who basically said, after I saw this film, it really made me realize that I haven't been living my life and shopping as a Christian, the way a Christian should buy things. You know, she's been buying sweatshop products. You know, she hasn't been looking at the label. She never thought about where her products came from or after she bought it, where did that money go? Did it go back into her local community or did it go off to some corporate headquarters where it doesn't affect anybody in her town? So I think that, you know, the film does have a lot of really good messages in it that are resounding with a variety of people. I almost found that a little surprising from the like initial marketing. It'd be easy for people, particularly people who are a little bit religious, to be defensive. Yeah. But I really felt like, you know, one of the strong points was it was really for those people. Yeah. yeah, and and some people said to me, you know, one person said, you know, don't you feel like you're manipulating this whole idea of what would Jesus do, you know, with the bracelets and the big movement that came out? And I said, well, what that whole movement did was it forced you to stop and ask yourself a question. And this is the same thing, you know, using the title, What Would Jesus Buy? We're hoping that people will stop and ask themselves a question. What am I doing? Why am I buying this? How long am I going to be in debt? You know, after Christmas, people are paying off their credit cards for six months. 
for the presents that they buy. You know, I mean, that's ludicrous. You know, we're living in this incredibly credit-based economy where everyone is in debt, carrying thousands and thousands of dollars worth of debt. And for me, I think that we really need to look at those choices that we make. The film, it raised a lot of questions, but also some facts that it gave, like people usually only spend about one hour a week in any kind of religious or spiritual time yeah. compared to like five hours shopping. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's hard to beat them all. What are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and even, even the whole imagery of the mall becoming a modern place of worship. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is, you know, I think that we've been sold a brand new bill of goods that these are the things that are fulfilling. What fulfills us? Stuff, things. You know, the more things we buy, the more fulfilled we're supposedly be. One of the best lines in the film for me is what, you know, Reverend Jim Wallace says at the end, you know, where he talks about, you know, we live in this world where we have more consumption and less satisfaction, more consumption and less satisfaction. And what we really need is less consumption, more satisfaction. Yeah. And he's spot on. Do you think that the whole issue kind of points to a void in the, mm-hmm. the American society? Yeah. Uh, aside from consumerism, what do you think should fill that void? I mean, for me, I think that there is a disconnect between how we live our lives and kind of what what is fulfillment. I think that one of the things that Billy says, you know, especially at the end of the film, which I think is a true statement, is what is a real gift? You know, and mm. I think we've lost sight of what, is, what does a real gift mean? Yeah. Is that, you know, it's giving your loved one your love. If it's spending time with the people you care about, it's making sure we understand what those most valuable things are. And I think that we need to look at the things that are really to be treasured in our lives. And that's our friends, that's our family, those are the people that we get to spend every day with and wake up and be around. Those are the things we should cherish, and, and we can't take things like that for granted. Yeah, it, it was interesting where they were kind of breaking down the psychology of advertising yeah. and equating uh, a product with this need to feel loved. It's incredible. And then, then these companies have done a great job of that, you know, targeting kids from such a young age. I mean, they're even because there's credit card companies now that target kids from their from their preteen years to get them, you know, in this this whole idea of buying a credit card. You know, this whole idea of gift cards is a fantastic thing. You start getting gift cards for kids already from a young age. They're getting this this idea of shopping with a quote unquote card with a credit card. There's there's a lot of really smart marketing that goes into how you target young people. There's another part where I feel like it's one of the more emotional parts of the film where they interviewed some older people, you know, they were like in their sixties or seventies, kind of reflecting on what Christmas used to be like for them. Oh, the, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the woman who's talking about how she didn't have any money. And they may get a new pair of shoes, and they always had oranges at Christmas. Yeah. I mean, to hear these people tell stories, and in, and I look back at my own childhood, how, you know, it wasn't like I got a thousand gifts under the tree. I might get one really nice gift, you know, like one I remember when I was, I think, 12 years old, I got a bicycle, which was one of the greatest Christmases I could have ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And all my friends got like these super really nice, crazy BMX bicycles, and I got a Huffy, and I was still psyched, you know, <laughs> because it was I was wanting a bike more than anything. Yeah. And we didn't have a lot of money. Holidays for us was really about spending time with our families, but it really did start to grow into it. I mean, even I saw over the course of my own childhood as it became, you know, we even bought into this whole idea of consumption. Yeah. Do you think at this point, is it too late to reverse the tide to get back to that idea of simplicity? I mean, I think that there's always a way to turn the tide, but at the end of the day, it's up to us. People are going to sell us whatever we're willing to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the goal of a corporation is to be profitable, to be successful, to make money. And you have to ask yourself, what is your role of being a conscious consumer, of being a citizen of this earth? You know, is it to buy stuff and be happy? Is, that, is it more stuff equal happiness, or are there other things that will let you lead a happy and fulfilled life? 
And for me, I think that we need to start to do what Reverend Billy says, you know, which is back away from the product and start to see what those things really are that will truly fulfill us. And even on like the practical step, I know in the, in the film they're big on uh, finding American-made products and yeah. supporting local communities. I mean, those are great first steps. You know, look at the label. Before you buy something, ask yourself, where is it made? Take a look at that label. What were the conditions under which that product was made? Is there a way to buy that same product if it was made in the USA? Because you know if it was made in the States, most likely it was made for a decent wage. Somebody probably made a good living at it. Usually if you buy it from a local company, something that's, you know, rather than go to a big chain store, is there a mom and pop store in your town where you can buy that exact same thing? You know, now there's some people who will say, well, I need to shop at a discount store to save money. But most of us shop at those discount stores out of convenience, you know, more than anything else. So why not spend a little bit more money and let that money stay in your town? You know, those are just great differences that I think could really change the way that we look at shopping and look at our community. Yeah, th- that was even another great scene in the movie where they go into that. When they go to Traer, Iowa. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the men's clothing store. Yep. And you see such a, a sense of authenticity in this clothing store owner who says that he probably won't pass it on to his kids yeah. because it's just not sustainable anymore. And here was this guy who, in the middle of Trare, Iowa, about you know 20 minutes outside of town one way, there's a Walmart. 20 minutes outside of town the other way, there's a Walmart. So basically, they, you know, they, have the, they have this stranglehold on small towns, and they've basically choked the life out of any community shopping. And, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing that in, on main streets all across America. I, I know a, a lot of it obviously comes down to the individual consumer, but is there a political way to maybe take a stand against the you know, industrialization of consumerism? Well, I think one of the biggest things is we have to, you know, there's so many ways that we look at what crimes are. Like you would never be able to pay somebody, you know, seven cents an hour to make a product in the United States. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a way for us to stand up to these corporations that are still U.S. based, but are using sweatshop labor overseas to make products just so we can buy something cheaper. And I think that from a political standpoint, I think there is a stand that we could take from talking to our lawmakers and saying, how can we justify this, you know, to have this be done on the backs of what is essentially almost slave labor overseas, just so we can have cheap products. Yeah. In the movie, there's a scene where some, you know, it looks like younger girls are, are actually making phone calls to corporate yeah. offices. Are, are there practical resources that you know of, either like websites or any publications that can really help inform consumers? Well, I think if people go to the What Would Jesus Buy website, which is www.jbmovie.com, there's a lot of resources there where people can go and get information about where they should shop, where they could buy different things, how they can really start to make a difference. And even on Rev Billy's website, which is revbilly.com, people can go there. And he has a tremendous amount of resources that will help empower consumers, because that's what this is about. It's about empowerment. It's about giving you the information to arm yourself to make smart choices. You know, this film is obviously taking a stand, and it has a couple of big companies kind of in the crosshairs. And and just as a filmmaker yourself, were you hesitant at all to go, you know, the last scene of the movie, the the whole Disney World showdown? Did did you have any concerns, uh, you know, kind of career-wise with that? I don't know. I have kind of a personal love affair with giant corporations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, of course, I think there's a, there was a concern, and, and the bigger concern is just on who would put a movie like this out, yeah. which at the end of the day, the majority of distributors that we spoke to who loved the movie were very scared for that simple reason. You know, Walmart is a company that represents 50% of the DVD market in the United States. Man. So automatically, you're, you're losing DVD distribution. 
you know, because they're not going to carry the movie, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, as from a corporate standpoint, you could see why people are concerned. But for me, it's such an important message. You can't back away from something just because you're afraid nobody's going to pay for it. Yeah. And the film, it releases this Friday. Yeah, it opens in New York this Friday, and then starting next week, it'll spread out all across the country. Does it align with another one of the Shopocalypse events? Yeah, you know, next Friday, which is Black Friday, you know, the biggest shopping day of the year where companies, you know, get into profit, there will probably be the coming of the Shopocalypse, you know, in <laughs> New York and around the country. You'll probably see uh, Reverend Billy and the Church of Stop Shopping out, you know, spreading their gospel that day, trying to get people to think about the choices they make, and, you know, they make, and I'm sure it'll be a, a big news event. So, you know, there'll be a lot of stuff going on on Black Friday. Well, I'm excited, especially after seeing the movie it makes me really excited to watch the news on black friday oh great right on man well thank you so much final question morgan what would jesus buy i don't know maybe like a, a bagel and some really nice sweatshop free sandals <laughs> how many times have you got that question <laughs> I mean, people ask that a lot. And uh, Billy has a great answer for this, which is he would try and buy something that wasn't made in bad conditions. You know, yeah. he wouldn't buy something that was made in hurtful in a hurtful condition. The website, one more time, is www.jbmovie.com. Movie.com. It's www.jbmovie.com. All right. Well, thanks for talking to us, Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for your time. You're listening to Take a Guess. Thousand Foot Crutch. The song is Falls Apart. It's playing right now over at relevant.tv. You didn't give me a chance to guess. Well, I saw <laughs> I saw your word you were about to say feist. So I, <laughs> I decided to just cut you off. Thousand foot crutch. <laughs> Bananarama. You're listening to Bananarama. The song is Falls Apart. As covered by Thousand Foot Crutch. (laughs) 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 Playing right now at Relevant.tv. Last week, uh, we we asked you for the editorial question of the week. Well, I I guess we were talking about crazy British laws Mm -hmm. and crazy British people. And we asked you, you know, if you could make up a law for the betterment of society, what laws would you you implement? And we got a lot of replies, and so we're just going to read a few of them here. Uh, the rest of them, Jesse will have an intern post on the podcast blog. Just give it to an on, intern. <laughs> on Friday. And so, so there's a few here. Check out the website for more. And so here's your replies to what laws you would implement. Well, this one uh, comes from Cal, Cal Busman. And he said that he would make all public restroom doors open outward so you don't have to grab the handle to exit. I didn't realize that all of them didn't know. Well, I could see this, though. Let's say you're walking into a restroom, and all of a sudden, wham! The doors are flying open. You can't yeah. do that. Yeah. No. Sorry, Cal. Um, Think that's about what the greater ha- good, not your selfish yeah, motives. That's what they <laughs> have sinks and soap and water for in restrooms. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that was a law a long time ago. Before. Well, it's a law. If you I work, think it is a law. It is if you mm-hmm. work there, if you're an employee. No, no, but I think I don't think you can have a public restroom without having a sink and stuff. Oh, sure, water. yeah. I no. thought you meant you have to use it, and that's yeah. a law. That's not no, a law. No, but I mean, you, hey, man, listen, don't tread on me, Cal. I don't tell me, <laughs> don't tell me how I can hinge my doors. <laughs> I don't know why that sounded dirty. <laughs> Jesse, this isn't a law thing, but Orrin Connor, or it's maybe it's Oreo Connor. I don't know. It's O R. 
E N or O. He might have had a typo. Okay. I think it's Oreo Connor. He's uh, from Louisiana, and he basically saying that squirrels are, aren't a problem there. You should move to Louisiana. Why uh, aren't they a problem? We he says that because I would consider it. He he said that they're not a problem because they take care of them their so themselves. They don't need no laws to protect them. From squirrels. <laughs> they just take care of them. You know, he said, and trust me, squirrels are delicious. See, that's uh, what I'm talking. About. That that appeals to libertarian in me. It's like <laughs> you know what? I don't need the government taking care of my squirrels. <laughs> you know, I like your little your fancy tranquilizer commissioned by Uncle Sam. But I got my own solution. It's called Louisiana. <laughs> we don't mess around with pez- with uh, rodents. That's a good word, Oreo. <laughs> that is a good word. Mark Harris wrote in and said, for the betterment of humanity, he would pass a law outlawing sports. No broadcasts, Whoa. no games, no magazines. He said, because Whoa. I'm a nice guy, I would have a single stadium in the middle of the Australian Outback where fans could go. I was going to make it in Antarctica, but the Outback's a little easier to get to. Told you I'm a nice guy. You may ask yourselves, but why, Mark? Because all the jocks I ever encountered as a kid were oh, jerks. Gosh. Uh, uh, well, guess what? I got a law too, yeah. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm, I'm confused. So Mark wants a law saying there should be no men. <laughs> Everyone should be asexual. That's what he's saying. That's I Mark's so. <laughs> yep. We're all laughing together, right, Mark? <laughs> he's crying in the corner. Yeah. He, he's not, next yeah. he wants to outlaw podcasts. Yeah. Because every podcast he ever wrote into made fun of him. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did you see the one that Lee Tucker wrote in about the squirrel problem? No. He has a solution. First of all, he said uh, he'd outlaw people driving slow in the fast lane. That's that's all well and good. Hey, and that is a that that is a law, I think. Yeah, I. Is it? There's usually a minimum speed. Yeah, yeah if it's 40. like 65, it's usually well. If it, some of them, it's like if it's 75, it's usually 55 in the in the left lane. Well, but. 55 in the left lane on a 75 mile per hour speed yeah. limit. Yeah, it's maddening you're if cr- they're going slower than He's that. He's right. He, Lee, you're on to something, my friend. Okay, uh, and he says perhaps we could equip all the cars with some sort of mechanism that would extend out the front of the car and move the pesky slow drivers out of the way. He said maybe maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe he's been watching too much Transformers. Yeah. I think I thought that was called a battering ram. <laughs> We need to go back to medieval law. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, but he, he also has a solution to your squirrel dilemma. He said recently he's been harassed by a certain black cat that lives in his neighborhood. Initially, it wasn't that bad. He just walked out of the house and see the cat sitting in the yard staring at him. Uh, but he's, he's like, I'm not a fan of cats. I don't want them hanging out in the yard staring at me. So he started to you know take a stick or a rock and toss it at him to scare him off. But that was his first mistake because that just made the cat bold. Mm-hmm. And so now things continue to escalate, like with your squirrel. And he said one day when he opened the front door, he found him sitting on the porch, staring right at him as if he'd been waiting for him to come outside. He had. He, he had, Lee. The, the stare down continued. And it was as if the cat was daring me to do something about him. He was. As if yeah. he owned my house. <laughs> he so, does. He said, so I did something. I went back inside and picked up my airsoft BB gun. He said, oh, if boy. you don't know what those are, they're simply air-powered BB guns that shoot mm, plastic BBs. I returned outside, proceeded to put a BB in the side of his stomach. Oh, my gosh. Perfectly what have you done? way to get rid of pests. Oh, he man. said, I have not seen the cat in my yard since, but I did notice some paw prints on the back windshield of my car, which leads me to believe that the cat is somehow trying to sabotage my car. Did Le- sabotage your life, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> You've made... You, You've made you, it angry. Yeah, I was going to say, you have may made the may made. <laughs> may made was the name of the cat. <laughs> you have may made the cat. You may have made 
the worst mistake of your life. <laughs> Trust me. The, the, I'm, I'm trying to understand this story. So, so far, he walks out. There's a cat there. He, he walks in. Another day, he walks out. There's a cat there. And that angered him so much. He didn't like being stared at by the cat. Just being looked at by the cat that he shot it. Lee, Lee no. Tucker has some what, anger. Okay. Yeah, what's no, going on, I, I Lee? Take, it looked at you. He's okay. having problems with his girlfriend. It, yeah, like I've heard of cats, you know, scratching people or attacking you or like, you know, if it's going to the bathroom on your porch or something that's... Ang- but it looked at you. It looked at you and you retaliated with a weapon. Uh, hey. Did you not hear Jesse's story last week? Yeah. He did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. He threw sticks at this it. Squirrel- no, it was rabid. That thing had a disease. <laughs> yeah. It was carrying I a read disease. It on the news. Okay. The <laughs> news. Yeah. <laughs> this is different. Okay, but... But I want I want to play little devil's advocate here because I really feel like Lee's getting a bad rap. <laughs> because you would do the same. Well, okay, here's the thing. Maybe people he did specify it was an airsoft gun. Correct. And they do sting like the dickens. But they he <laughs> Lee is right, they are non lethal. And to my knowledge To humans. To my knowledge, they cannot break cat skin. <laughs> um, after In your experiments. <laughs> from, In my from, experience. From several tests <laughs> today, they do not break cat skin. Um, and, you know, I would I take those measures? Don't know. Haven't been there. What if it but was going to Am I going to come down on poor Lee after he's the one who's had his life derailed yeah. by what, a cat? I wonder if Lee lives in Louisiana where they just yeah. get, take care of their own problems. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't you look at me, cat. <laughs> don't you look at me. Are you looking at me? I think that's don't, the state no motto. One look, no cat looks at me. I, Twice. I, that's the second time you looked at me, cat. I don't get my gun. <laughs> I think that's the state motto of Louisiana. Yeah. I, New Hampshire is definitely don't tread right. on me or yeah. live free or die yeah. don't tread on me yeah. six emperor tyrannus yeah. and it's don't look at me cat <laughs> <laughs> the police come what what happened here why did you kill this neighbor's cat it looked at me oh well, we're, uh, we're free to go. go yeah all right <laughs> free to carry go. on free to go carry on <laughs> by the way did you get the new battering ram for your car yeah. <laughs> that cat clamp its teeth clamped down on my baby yeah well that I would he'd be justified in shooting the cat Absolutely. if it if it bit its baby's leg. It looked at him. So basically we know Jesse's foreign policy. Right. Preventative measures. <laughs> Preemptive. <The> preemptive <laughs> strike. Yeah. The Guess b- who I voted for. <laughs> that cat will clamp down on my baby if I don't shoot it. Right. <laughs> yeah, what this all boils down to is politics. Yeah. <laughs> Let's face it. So the Let's cat just dish is here. the Iraqis. And <laughs> oh, no. Squirrel, oh, boy. <laughs> I was just asking. I didn't know. All right, well, that'll do it for your feedback. Again, check out the uh, podcast blog over at relevantmagazine.com for more feedback. Um, okay, so for this week's Editorial Question of the Week, here we go. Editorial Question of the Week. Well, if you listen to last week's podcast, you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revisit a plug here. There is a special offer going on for podcast listeners only that if you go to relevantmagazine.com slash lucky, you can uh, take part of our luck, in, in our lucky break giveaway thing. It's uh, themed around Thanksgiving. So you've got a wishbone. Uh, you'll get a multimedia item, so a book, CD, or something that we will the podcast crew will all autograph you'll get a year subscription to relevant it's only for podcast listeners go check it out so okay so that's going on that made us be, you know we're in the month of november that made us think about thanksgiving so we want to know you know thanksgiving is a stressful time for a lot of people especially if you're married you know cuz you got to got to do the in-law thing or you you have all the weird relatives in the house <laughs> it's just it's just very stressful so we want to know your worst thanksgiving disasters 
your th- your worst experiences with Thanksgiving, like just not not like your grandma died. That's sad. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> want, that is a disaster. <laughs> no, we want disasters. It just everything went wrong. It was just something you'll remember for the rest of your and life. And I feel like with the assortment of food and like eating weird for a day and maybe being trapped at somebody's house you don't know. I feel like there's a lot of disasters that people are just embarrassed to talk about. Yeah, so you can do it anonymously. Exactly. And no one's going to make fun It'll of be you therapeutic. There, except for us. It'll be therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Similar to um, Full House episode where uh, <laughs> where Stephanie Tanner made Mom's Picture Perfect Pumpkin Pie, if you remember, and she dropped it on Thanksgiving and she cried a lot because she thought she ruined Thanksgiving. And uh, and then that's when, you know, Uncle Judy went, cut it out. And Jesse went, have mercy. And it, they all laughed and freeze-framed. What, what did Stephanie and say? Yeah. Pin a rose on your nose. Oh, that was that She her? did? That was her thing? She goes, well, pin a rose on your nose. What? No. Which show is that? Mm-hmm. She said that once. <laughs> She's, no, no. She goes, she goes, how rude. Yeah, how, how rude. rude. Who are you? <laughs> how, I don't know. How rude. Are you Canadian? Is that a Canadian show? She's like, that's on her epitaph right yeah. now. And in a rose on my nose. Yeah. Up your nose with a rubber hose. <laughs> and then uh, the episode took kind of a dark twist, <laughs> twist when Comet the dog ate the pie and actually got sick and died. Are you serious? <laughs> no. I just want to talk about Comet the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I, just wanted to, I want everybody to know I know the name of their dog. It's, it's Comet. Comet. <laughs> what, what was the name of, of the oldest daughter's friend who is weird looking? Um, Kimmy. Kimmy Kimmy Gibbler. Gibbler. <laughs> Her um, only skill was that she could fold a map correctly. Really? <laughs> I think you're making that up. How do I not know this is from this other show that you're talking about? <laughs> the Canadian version. Yeah. The Canadian full house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good old, good old TGIF. Man, Fridays. Yeah, Fridays used just to be. Same, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, I used to come home from school, like school that hour on Friday, and I wasn't thinking about the weekend. I wasn't thinking about Saturday. I was thinking about four letters, and they start with T and end with G-I-F. What do they end with? T. T G. Ends with T. It's Friday night. T F. F. Gonna start it right. Gonna have some fun. Show you how it's done. T G I F. And they would always have like the cast from one of the show, or like two of them sitting on the couch as if they're sitting there watching T G I F with you. Well, you, didn't, you didn't have many friends then, did you? I was very lonely. <laughs> I did have many friends. They were the Tanners. They were the, the Urkels. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was their name? The Winslows. Yeah, the, the Winslow. Carl Winslow. <laughs> it was Eddie and Carl Winslow <laughs> and Grandma. But I remember when distinctly when that show jumped the shark, and that was when. Urkel started making because originally it was corny, but there was nothing just absolutely ridiculous that couldn't happen within the realms of reality until like Urkel started building time machines, <laughs> or he started turning into Stefan Urkel. It's like, come that on, that was him to show his acting range. I guarantee you, that was he was demanding to be able to show that he's it's not like, just yeah. A nerd. Write me on somehow. Give me a twin, and they're like, no, a twin's not believable. I know you create a machine that turns you into a completely different person. No, it started to jump the shark when his voice changed. Yeah. You know, when he had to do the fake nerd voice. Got any cheese? You know, it was like, that's when it went down. And the tight pants got creepy. Yeah. They weren't funny anymore. It was (laughs) like... All right. So, if you want to write in 
That your wouldn't worst, have to do with Thanksgiving. Your all worst that Thanksgiving rant. disaster. Uh, write to editorial at relevantmagazine.com or feedback at relevantmagazine.com, and uh, we will we will run it next week. It'll be good because next week is Thanksgiving week, so it'll be good to have this feedback. Get you in the spirit. Thanksgiving Day. So, okay. Um, Not a good spirit, though. No, awful spirit. <laughs> Frustrated spirit. Last week, I mentioned that this week we were going to have Joel Houston and the Hillsong United crew in the studio. Obviously, that didn't happen, so we will be running that interview next week uh they're, they're talking about their new album their iheart revolution tour and and kind of campaign and stuff so make sure to definitely tune in for that it's gonna be a great show many thanks to uh morgan spurlock for being part of the podcast this week and many thanks also to Teresa and chris we will have to now figure out what to do for next week maybe maybe we put three people the two of them and one one other and eddie from Family matters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> head to head. So if you want to, we got to keep this rolling forward. Make sure to go over to relevantmagazine.com, click on the message boards, podcast fodder section, and click on the staffer. You'll see the uh, candidates for next week's podcast. Click on the staffer that you want to see join the podcast. So uh, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Chris the Jock. <laughs> and I'm Teresa. We'll see you next week. Monkey pirates start attacking other ships.